the things that you're really passionate about and the things that you're really good at. And you're going to use those things to carve your path, right? I tried for so long to try to be a less good version of someone else. When really all I needed to do was be the best version of me. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going, yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today, I have someone who works in customer success. So Joshua Eden is excited to share his story today. So what do you do in customer success? Uh, great question. Um, I, I always joke that uh, tech has these really fancy titles uh, that actually translate to like real world yeah. <laughs> things that you kind of understand. Um, I You can think of customer success kind of like a teacher, right? Like I'm helping someone understand a subject and, and in the case of my company, uh, a tool. I'm helping them understand a tool, a subject and, and how to utilize that tool and that subject to get certain outcomes within their business. Um, so I, I just really help people... Um, feel like comfortable and confident with learning software um, to, to like in our case, we make a crawler, um, use the crawler to understand their website, make good business decisions, make sound business decisions um, that will help their company. Um, it, truly, it's just relational, right? Yeah. More than anything else, like I am, I am here to make sure you feel comfortable, confident in the tool um, and getting everything that you want out of it. Yeah. And then one thing to know is, the reason that companies employ a customer success manager and people in customer success is that these tools get really complex. They have a lot of features and a lot of people are not utilizing them to their max. And a customer success Correct. person would say, hey, you can upgrade your account or hey, you can downgrade an account because you're not using all these features. So it's about finding totally. the best solution for the customer. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's one of those things where it's like, I it's in my title, right? Like I want you to succeed. And, yeah. and sometimes that means that like, you might need to spend more money with us to get more out of the tool. And sometimes it means like, hey, you don't need everything that you're paying for. And you're actually getting as much as you can out of our tool. So so it's okay if we kind of scale things back a little bit, right? Like succeeding doesn't just mean that my company is like making more money. It's making sure that you're getting exactly what you need out of the tool. And sometimes that means like coming back a little bit and, yeah. and scaling back. Oh, I love that. So if you could create a blueprint of your success... To pass on yeah. to someone without a college degree, what would it look like? You know, what should they do? What should they do? And the beauty of customer success is you don't need a college degree. It's a very people-oriented job. Yeah. Um, I would say that, like, my my one blueprint, I, there's probably a, a bunch of little steps underneath this, but primarily it's it's building relationships with people. Um in customer success, that's like 99% of what you do. Like 1% is like probably like the renewals, right? Um, but like actually building relationships with people and, and understanding like what makes them them tick and, and what they're trying to achieve and what they're passionate about. Like that is how I have had every job that I've ever had and how I've moved up at any company that I've ever moved up at, right? Was actually like getting to know the right people and and um, putting myself out there, right? Like being vulnerable, being um, empathetic, um, figuring out like how I can help them get to where they're going. And and as I did that, 
because I, I helped them and I got to, to go on that journey with them as they started leveling up, they would bring me with them, which was really, which was really cool. Not what I expected. Um, but yeah, as they leveled up, I, I ended up leveling up with them. They just, they brought me with them. You know, that's the beauty of building a relationship. It just leads to a lot of interesting things. Now, totally. what's the salary range for people in customer success? Like what's the starting range and what can people grow into realistically? Yeah, that's a great question. So it, 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 for sure, there's like a huge range. And I think it probably depends on like, on where you're located. I, I've seen, um, a couple of companies, right. Have something like an associate type position yeah. where I've seen like an associate customer success manager, um, probably be around like, like 50 to 55,000 would be kind of like the, the floor, um, all the way to like, maybe like a senior customer success manager. Um, uh, I, I'm a senior customer success manager and, and that could probably be like as high as like, 150. Um, depending on where um, customer success lands in an organization, um, if they're part of maybe like, sometimes there's like, they're in the sales vertical. And so they might end up managing um, renewals and upsells, there can be like a, like a bonus based on like, if you're, you know, upselling uh, a client, if you're adding new products to a client, right? Referrals, like all of that stuff um, can play into it. So there can also be like a, a structure where there's a, a bonus component and that number can can vary. It's usually not as much as it would be for like sales because yeah. you're you're just working to retain the client that you've already, yeah, that sales has already brought in. So usually it's a little bit lower, but that bonus component could be anywhere from realistically probably like, um, like 15,000 extra a year uh, to as high as like 50,000 extra yeah. a year. And you know, the other thing is you have better work-life balance like in customer yeah. success. I know sales is like, it's very hard to achieve that work-life balance, especially the first yeah. few years. And then when you do get it, it's because you put so much time into it. And I've always found that people in sales, eventually they just kind of move out and they will go into a customer success or other mm -hmm. sides where they actually have that work-life balance. But sales is, hey, yeah. you got to close those deals and they have quotas and all that. Exactly. Customer success is, is, I mean, I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased because I, I, I really enjoy the role that I'm in and I'm in it. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a great transition from sales. If you're looking to, to, to move into something else, I, I held, um, sales roles for about seven years, yeah. um, before I, before I actually transitioned into, um, customer success. And so it's, I, I would say it's a great transition for maybe anyone who's in sales, um, that that's like looking to get you know, figure out where they want to land in tech. The, the, the beauty of my job is I, I work with salespeople, I work with marketing, I work with support, I work with product, I work with the engineers, like I, I, I work with every organization, right? Um, so I actually get to see like a day in the life of everyone. So it helps me kind of know where I want to go, if not necessarily customer success. Um, and so it's great. It's a great natural transition from sales. Also, if you're looking to break into tech, um, I would say like, um, there's lots of educators that I know. And again, there's a lot that I do that it's just education, right? I'm teaching people how to use a product and feel comfortable using it. And, and again, using the tool, the knowledge that I'm giving them to, to get to some destination. Um, a lot of people that I know in, in, in the education space that are looking to transition into tech, like customer success is a, is a really, really good area, um, to focus your attention to. No, it is. So now let's take yeah. it back. How is high yeah. school like for you? And would you want to be in high school? Oh gosh. Okay. So I wanted to be, um, one of two things. I, I either wanted to be a Jedi or, um, Maverick from Top Gun and neither of those things happened. <laughs> so... I, I, you could have done it. You worked a little harder. I think you could have done it. 
I'm I'm probably like maybe a couple hundred years too early on the Jedi thing. I I actually did um, almost go into um, aviation. That was something that I I, I was really interested in. Um, I'm um, a little bit older, and when I actually was in uh, middle school, we found out that I needed glasses, and at the time, um, it was a little bit more difficult uh, to become an aviator unless you had um, perfect vision. So it, it did kind of like. Um, when I found out that I needed glasses and I didn't have perfect vision, I, I kind of like gave up on the idea of like, uh, being, being an aviator. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really have like, uh, a thing that I think I specifically wanted to do. I think something that's kind of interesting about my story is I, I'm a bit of a wanderer. Um, I, I've never really known necessarily the title that I, I want to have one day, what I what I know are the things that I'm good at. I know what my strengths are. And and what I tend to do is I tend to look for roles that um, allow me to use my strengths to really shine in that position. So I don't really look at titles all that often. Yeah. I look at like, what is the job description and what's required? And then I just ask myself, like, does this play into what I'm naturally good at and what I like to do? No, I love that because I think a lot of times people say you can be anything you want to be. And I find very good good advice, good to hope. But I also yeah. find it a little dangerous in the sense of I can't be in the NBA, right? Yeah. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not the yeah. height. I'm too old. It's, yeah. just a, it's just one of those things, right? Whatever. So I always find, look, you want to improve your weaknesses. But I also find that there are some things you're just naturally good at. Like you always had totally. that friend in the park who was big and wanted to play point guard, it's like, look, that's not your yeah. role. That's not your play style. That's yeah. not what you should be doing. And you find yeah. a lot of people, they go in for their strengths. They realize, hey, yeah. here are my talents. Here's what mm-hmm. I need to go for. And then that's where they succeed in. And I think totally. you have to do that because yeah. especially when you're competing with other people, you're you're going to shine in those areas and other people yeah. are just going to have a, a much tougher time competing with you. Yeah, I agree. I, one of my really good friends is is just a, a brilliant developer, and he loves figuring out like how things work. That is so boring to me. Yeah, that is just really, really boring to me. Like like opening up code and like figuring out what's broken. I it just it's not terribly interesting to me. I don't want to be a less good version of my friend. I yeah. want to be the best version of myself. So I'm going to lean into the things that that I'm naturally good at and that feel really natural to me. Yeah, and I'm going to look for jobs that like really highlight those skills and utilize those skills. And I find that if you, you know, do work that like leans into your skill set and the things that you're naturally good at, you actually end up liking that thing because we tend to like to be good at things. And so if we're doing things that we're naturally good at, we tend to like doing those things. Yeah. And it's just, you get better at those things and it's a positive feedback loop. Um, and you'll be surprised at how much you grow when you focus on those things. Work on your weaknesses, right? Because they yeah. can also hold you back. Now, what were some of the jobs you had, like some of the earlier jobs? I, I actually started as a host at a restaurant. Okay. Um, I've been in a lot of service positions my whole life. So uh, I worked, yeah, as a as a host. And then at that same restaurant, um, I, I like managed like their to-go orders um, and then I became a server there. Um, I worked at like Starbucks as a, as a barista, as a... I did that too. I, well, I worked at Barnes & Noble's Cafe. Yeah. No, but you, it's like the same. It's the same you're, thing. The, we you're don't slinging accept, milk. But we don't accept the Starbucks gift. It's funny. They used to get confused. We don't accept the Starbucks gift cards. Be like, I'm Starbucks, but I'm not technically Starbucks. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. 
I get that. Yeah. And so I was a, I was a barista. Then I was a, like a shift supervisor. Um, I went from Starbucks to Apple, yeah. um, which believe it or not, a lot of people like go from Starbucks to Apple, um, especially like Apple retail. It's, it's very real. It's like uh, Starbucks can be a, like a recruiting ground for uh, Apple retail. So I worked at Apple retail um, and uh, was in sales. There was in operations, uh, led workshops uh, so people could get like comfortable using uh, the software or the tools that they just bought from us. And then I worked at, uh, this was an interesting stretch, but I, I worked at Warby Parker for like a little bit. Oh, I have Warby like, Parker glasses. Yeah, great glasses. Uh, these aren't Warby Parkers, but I do have them. Uh, I have multiple pairs. Um, but at, at Warby Parker, I worked in like um, customer experience, so, so customer support. Um, I worked at Target for a while as uh, the visual merchandising person. Okay. So like the person who made like the store look good and, and dressed up the mannequins and tried to stay fresh on the trends. Uh, worked at um, HP as uh, like an inside account manager uh, covering like public sector clients. So working with like government, high school, college, um, uh, worked with like their sustainability organization, um, which was super fun. Their global um, like initiatives around sustainability, which was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, now uh, a customer success manager at Lumar. So that was my, that's my journey. Wow. A lot of different titles in there. Now let's, let's go a little deeper into those journeys. So yeah. you worked as a barista. Yeah. Now, how was it working as a barista and what are the mm -hmm. skills you picked up that set you up for the future? Working a, as a barista was uh, intimidating at first because the, the pace can be blistering, right? Like Starbucks is typically really busy and, and there's a lot of different things that you, you have to learn. Um, a lot of different like drinks you have to learn, a lot of different processes that you have to learn. Um, I really in enjoyed the pace of it. I think in particular, um, Starbucks helped me get like really organized actually. Um, because if, if things aren't organized well within like the store behind the counter, then it, it deeply impacts like your ability as a team to become proficient and to be proficient. And in fast food, you got to move quick, right? Like people don't want to be in line for, you know, 10, 15 minutes to get their coffee. So I, I developed a, a strong sense of like organizational skills when I worked at uh, Starbucks. How can I more efficiently work? Where can I like put things locationally so that I can get to them quickly to get things done? Like that really honed um, like that organizational side that I that I now have. Um, and then when I became a supervisor, it, it really helped with like strategy because when I would come in, I would handle like the deployments of like, okay, well, where are the baristas going to be um, deployed throughout the shift, right? So I'd have to like get to know these people Right. So that I know what their strengths are. And, and this person's really friendly. So let's put them on like register because they're super outgoing. They love to talk. This person's really focused and organized and can move really quickly. So let's put them on bar because they're going to be the right person to be making the drinks to like get things out super quickly. Right. Um, so, again, just deepened my level uh, of understanding as it related to like um basically like strategic deployment, like organizational agility. I would say those would be the two things that I, I picked up the most there. You know, yeah. you learn a lot because those rushes would be interesting. And then sometimes you knew yeah. what the people would drink because it would be the same people who, who come on their thing and you kind of be like, hey, regular. And you kind mm -hmm. of slowly get it started. Uh, I remember you also have to deal with some very particular customers. I remember one time yeah. I made a drink and the person wanted the caramel... It was an iced caramel macchiato. They wanted the caramel drizzle on top. I made it. And then it sat on the counter for like four minutes because she took too long and I had to remake it. And it was like, she was like not enough drizzle or something like that. 
and you just have to deal with it, right? You can't really say anything. You just kind of have to do it. Uh, but overall, it is, a, you know, most people tend to be pretty friendly and it does kind of, you, you learn a lot of behind the scenes. Now, how'd you leverage that into Apple? So I, a um, couple different ways. Um, I've worked at a couple different Starbuckses over my time with them. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the fact that I, I could move to different stores pretty easily or like cover shifts at other stores. Um, I always wanted to see what other stores felt like. Um, because right, Starbucks is going to have like some locations that are drive-through only, or they're going to have hybrids where it's drive-through and walk-in. Some are just cafes. Um, so whenever I could, I would actually cover um, shifts at the Starbucks that was a cafe near the Apple Store that it was in the city that I grew up in. Um, and as I would work at that Starbucks, right, like you just got to know who like the Apple people were because they'd always come in and they'd kind of like have their Apple shirt covered up, but like kind of not. And again, they're regulars at a mall. So you kind of know that they probably work within the mall. And so you just like become like keen to like who they are. Um, the transition was just 100% relational, right? Like I, they became regulars. I started to get to know their order and then I would just converse with them like, Hey, how's it going today? Right? Like why, like how did this become your favorite drink, right? And just as I would just converse with them, right? Always asking them how their day was like, and being really sincere about like how their day was, right? Like, like not just saying it to be, you know, just a greeting, but like really being invested in them. Like maybe they're sitting at the bar. And so like, as I'm like cleaning dishes, I just like strike up conversation with them. Like, hey, what are you working on? Um, as I got to know them, right? Like they got to see me. I wasn't just a barista all yeah. of a sudden, right? Like I became Josh to them and they would start talking to me. And then it just, over the course of like four months, um, people just started saying like, you'd be like a really good fit at Apple. Like you're just really good at like, conversation and getting to know people and you're never pushing anything on us, right? Like I'd make recommendations of like, hey, you like this drink? Have you tried this before? Like, but without adding any kind of pressure, right? Um, but like, as I just built those relationships just very, very organically, I just got on their radar and then it became really easy. I I wasn't even thinking about going to work at Apple in all honesty. I enjoyed what I was doing at Starbucks. I was getting promoted. Um, Apple was not on my radar, um, until someone was like, I think you'd be a really good fit here. Like, would you be interested in interviewing? And I was like, yeah, I, I would. Um, and, and so I had like a couple people actually end up, um, referring me. Um, I did not get in the first time I applied. Um, and I did not like, they did not hire me. It was another like six months before, um, they called me back and were like, Hey, we actually think you're like a good fit for this next round that we're hiring. And would you be interested. And I was like, yeah, of course. Um, but it was just, it was just relationships, right? It was 100%. I never like formally applied. I never went through like their portal yeah. to apply. I was never like handing people my resume. I was just sincerely interested in what they were doing and building like a genuine relationship with them and was just interested in them as a human being. And it was in that, that I built trust and rapport with them. And then they felt comfortable referring me based on what they knew they needed in the store. Yeah. And it's so underrated just genuinely being interested in people. Like, because people open up, people share, and they see that trust and they see that consistency. And that's not something you can show in an interview, right? That's something that yeah. you build up over time and you build up the social capital. Now, the second time, six months later, what did yeah. you do that was different that you think got you in? That's a really good question. I, you know... I didn't, when I didn't get in the first time, it didn't change my attitude towards anyone. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, that kind of particularly stood up to them. 
is that I think it's really easy for people to apply to a job and then maybe not get it and then become like maybe bitter yeah. towards that company or the people that referred them or whatever, or, or feel a sense of awkwardness. Cause it can feel awkward. I want to acknowledge that. Like it, it was awkward seeing these people. Right. And then like, it was awkward for me and it was awkward for them. They rejected me and they still have to see me. I'm not going anywhere, but I didn't treat them any differently. Right. Like I wasn't a good fit. Like they not being a good fit six months before they actually hired me doesn't mean that I actually wasn't a good fit. I just wasn't a good fit at that time. Yeah. I became a good fit in that next round because what they were looking for and what they were hiring, they saw in me. Right. And so I tell people all the time that it's like, dude, just because you get a no, like doesn't, it's the kind of tacky, like, no, doesn't really mean no. It might just mean not yet. You might not be the right person now, but you could be the right person in six months. I was. And so like, stay in touch with those people. Like, it is awkward, but don't make it awkward. <laughs> like, acknowledge that it's awkward and then move past it. Like, treat them like people, right? They were before you interviewed with them and didn't get the job. So so have that consistency to continue to treat them very human and be interested and genuine and sincere and, and care for them, right? Um, and I think that was one of the things that the manager said to me is he was like, dude, it's like, we try to take people from that Starbucks all the time. And when we don't, they end up just kind of like being awkward sauce with us. And they were like, we just really liked that. Like you were just you and you never stopped being you to us when the timing wasn't right. Yeah. I, I, it's so underrated. I, I tell people like, Hey, in the initial time, you can feel a little angry. You can feel a little frustrated, yeah. but honestly, it's like, look, these things are tough. They at least tried to give you a referral and it totally. ended up working out. And then they saw like, yeah. Yo, we rejected him. He's still making our drinks. He's still talking, asking how our day is. He's still leveling up. Now, when you worked at Apple, how long were you at Apple for? I was there like almost three years to the day. Okay. Yeah. How was it at Apple? Like chaos. Okay. Um, I just thinking of like how I leveled up there was bananas. Is absolutely crazy, right? Like I thought I had like I thought I was really organized when I worked at Starbucks and I had no idea like how much room I still had to grow until I, until I went to Apple. Right. But I was there like when the, um, what was it? The iPhone six yeah. oh. first launched. Okay. Um, and it was like every single day we had lines out the door and, and like for the first week that the phone launched, like no, no carrier was expecting it to be as big of a launch as it was. And so what would normally be like, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to like get a phone sold and then set up was becoming like five hours with a client. And so like, I had to learn like patience. I had to learn how to like really like deescalate situations and, and, and how do I not even like deescalation had to happen, but like, how do I even keep things from even escalating so that I have to deescalate them, right? Like, how can I be conversational? How can I show them that like I'm working on their behalf? How can I show them that I'm respecting their time and having a sense of urgency with this when, when again, it's carrier issues and it's out of my control, right? Um, it was, it was a mind blowing experience. I, I loved my time there. It was, it was fantastic. Um, I also, one thing that I, I learned there that really played into, um, customer success, um, now that I think is really important is Apple, um, internally at the time called it like discovery based learning. It's really easy when you're teaching someone how to do something to like man, mansplain it to them basically, and like tell them exactly what they need to do. Whereas like discovery based learning is this really cool idea of like, as I'm showing someone like how to use, like, let's say they, they bought a MacBook and I'm like, Hey, 
you know, we have like a window open and I'm like, hey, if we need to like export something, is there somewhere on maybe the top bar that we might be able to go to where we might be able to like download or export something? And so what I'm doing is I'm giving them some context clues about like where to look on their computer, right? I'm saying like, might there be something on the top bar? And so all of a sudden, they're going to kind of go to that top bar and kind of look around for like, is there an export button? Is there a download button? And then they discover that button because I kind of gave them some like breadcrumbs on where to go. They discover the thing that I'm telling them to look for and and it like gets them excited, right? And it helps them feel like smart and capable. Like, hey, I have this. I'm, I'm like understanding this tool. Um, it was just a significantly better way of like helping people learn that like Apple gave me the tools to understand, right? Like you can tell people how to do something, but if you can help them how to discover how to do something, it it goes so much further. Yeah, no, and, and they remember because everybody has their own way of totally. looking things, yeah. approaching things and all that. And now they yeah. know, okay, here's what I did. Not what Josh did. It's, here's what yeah. I did. Here's how I moved my fingers. I went to the top And they level. feel smart. Yeah. They feel like, they feel capable, right? Because I'm not doing the thing for them. If I do the thing for them, right? Like, I would always joke, like, I'm not going home with you, yeah. right? Um, I'm not going home with you to do this. So, like, I want you to discover how to do this. And so, as they start to discover how to do it, right? Like, they start to feel smart and capable. Because the reality is, like, kind of like, almost anytime people get, like, new technology, software, hardware, you name it, there's a little bit of like fear and intimidation that come in, right? Like, will I know how to do this, right? Like we set up our own, and I think this is actually honestly true, even in like the job hunting kind of world, you're looking for a new position, you're seeing these positions, you're reading about the experience that's required, and you start to like, like the imposter syndrome a little bit, right? And you start to set up these barriers um, to entry, and you start to kind of like limit your potential. And so where I really like discovery based learning in particular, was a lot of people set up their own, like their own barriers for learning, like I'm old, and I can't do this. I had a flip phone, and I'm moving to this new thing, I can't possibly learn how to do this. I'm not tech savvy, like my kids tech savvy, right? Like they're just setting up all these barriers. And so it's nice to be able to like go in, I'm not going to remove those for you, but I'm going to help you remove them. Right. I'm going to show you how you can remove them so that you can understand that like you're smart and you're capable and, and you can get that confidence yourself. Yeah. So you were doing customer success well before you totally. even knew that it was a title. Well before I knew it was a title. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, did you get promoted, Apple? So it was more like I moved from like department to department based on based on like what I was interested in. So I never necessarily moved up. I moved over. Right. So in my case, I was in a sales position and I I enjoyed the sales function, but I, I got really interested in um, leading workshops. So when I got interested in leading workshops, um, if anyone's ever been to like a genius bar with yeah. Apple, you have like the, the technical people, like the, the geniuses or the genii as we call them. Um, and they're like the hardware experts. There's a team internally at Apple called the creatives and they're the software experts. So I, I moved into kind of like a hybrid role where I was, um, working in operations, helping with like the back of house and like the inventory control and management and, and like loss and prevention. I was doing that. But I was also getting to lead workshops during the day to help people understand their tool um, or their product, whatever they were buying. So I, I, I moved. I had more of like a linear move, but like my job totally changed. Right? I, I became like a little bit of technical support. I, I became like an inventory management person, um, which was actually so much fun. I really enjoyed my time in in operations. Um, it was really, really a good time. And yeah, I just, I, I wasn't terribly interested in 
in moving up. Um, some people are, but I was like, man, this is great. And I got everything that I felt like I wanted out of my three years there. And so I was just ready to move on and like try a different challenge with a, with a different company and, and enter Warby Parker. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So what, what made you want to go to the next move to Warby Parker? Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. There's something about me where it's like, I, I just want to learn something new. And kind of like what I was telling you, like, I, I'm, I want to find what things I'm naturally good at. And I, I want to find a way to like improve systems, people, policy, procedure, whatever at, at different companies. So yeah, at, at Apple, I felt like I, I just went as far as I wanted to go and I was just good. I just, for me, it was an instinctual thing. Um, I'm good here. I like things are in a really good place. They're in a better place than where I found them. Um, like three years ago when I joined, right. The store is growing. Everyone looks good. People are like moving to where into the store where they want to go. I'm just ready for like my own growth. I felt like I hit my ceiling. I could like, maybe I could have gone after like a management type position, but I wasn't particularly interested in that. Transparently, I'm not particularly interested in managing people. I know like a lot of people like think that that's like the next thing that they have to do if, you know, if they want to grow. I'm really happy and like an individual contributor type role. Um, I joke that like, I like being a cog in the wheel. Um, and I think there, there needs to be people who like to be cogs in the wheel. The wheels need cogging. Things need to be moved. And I like doing that. I, I, I don't really want to manage people. Um, I do like to help people get to where they're going and managers can do that, but I can also help people get to where they're going by mentoring and by coaching. I don't have to be their boss to do that. I actually like to influence without authority rather than to just be given authority and people feel like they have to do what I'm telling them to do. So I, I really like to partner with people rather than like, like almost feeling like I'm like ruling over them, right? I like to come alongside them and help them get to their place. So yeah, my, my time just naturally felt done at Apple in all honesty. It was just, I was on my patio one day and I just felt like, yeah, this is it. Like I've, I'm ready for my next thing and, and I feel good to go after. And I, I didn't even have Warby Parker lined up. I just, I gave my notice at at Apple. Um, I had a cushion so that I could do it. Um, I gave them my notice. I was done like a month later. And then I said, I think I want to move. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the time. Um, So I I think I want to move. I want to try something else um, and and see what else is out there. And and I thought like, well, you know, I, I worked for a large company, Starbucks. I worked for another large company, Apple. What would it look like to work for like, kind of like a startup-y medium-sized company and like a non-tech kind of thing. And 
Um, Warby Parker happened to have an office in Nashville that I was particularly interested in uh, working at and they were hiring and um, the work did seem like it was going to be a little bit difficult. Like they call it customer experience and it is customer support. Customer experience can be like CX can be like a fancy way of saying customer support. So um, I was just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm ready to do something different. I've worked in retail locations for the last, like at that point, like kind of six years, five years between Starbucks and Apple. And I was like, I'm just ready for like a corporate type job, I think. Um, So Warby Parker felt like, um, felt like a good fit. And I was there for, a little bit, I ended up finding out that I I didn't really like the medium-sized company as much as I thought I might. Um, every company has, right, like size company has pros and cons that I I just, I didn't vibe. I, it wasn't the right fit. Warby Parker wasn't the right fit. Like I wasn't the right fit for it and it wasn't the right fit for me and we were happy. It was, it was a good separation. And that's where I found myself actually like, um, I had applied to Target and, um, I applied for like a, a position similar to something that there was like an adjacent position with an Apple for. Um, and as I was interviewing with with Target, they were like, well, you actually have like a lot of experience with like visual merchandising, which I, I did do some of that at Apple. And, and um, kind of like what I was saying earlier, like you have some like leadership experience and having been like a, a supervisor at, at Starbucks and like helping people get onboarded and like level up at Apple. Um, so we have like a, a position um within target, it was called the, uh, um, visual merchandising team lead. They're like, it's a little deceptive because you don't have a team, um, but you're considered a lead, but you're, there's not a team yeah, under yeah. you. So you're kind of just like, you're, you're over all of these people, but you don't have any necessarily like direct reports. Yeah, yeah. You're not like a division head. And I was like, Oh, that actually sounds perfect yeah, for yeah, me yeah. because then I can kind of go do what I want. Right. And then I, again, I get to like lean into that, like influence without authority. A lot of people, want to influence with authority and that's fine. I don't want that. I love being able to like build rapport and build trust and not just have like authority thrust upon me. Right. Like I want to build that rapport with people just very organically and not just be like, Oh, and Josh is your boss now. And you have to listen to everything that he says. Um, I like to build that trust with people. So influencing without authority is I invaluable to me. And I think it's, one of the things that I excel at and a skill that I think more people could benefit learning from, especially if you don't want to be in a management position, right? Because you're never going to get the authority. So all you can do is influence without authority, right? Now, how'd you move from that visual team lead with no team to that customer success role? So I, in between there, I was at HP. Um, I, I enjoyed my time in Nashville. There were some like family situations going on. So, um, I needed to move back to Albuquerque and, um, my, yeah, my boss in Nashville, um, had offered to basically put my name into the target locations that would have been in like the Albuquerque area. Um, I had built a relationship with someone that I had known since I was a kid. We'd like grown up together and, um, had moments like on and off where we were in each other's lives. Um, you probably have friendships like that where like people kind of come and go. Um, and he was doing really cool stuff at HP. And I reached out to him and just said like, Hey, I'm moving back to Albuquerque. I know like HP's located there. Like I, I did enjoy the work that I did at, at Apple, but I'm kind of like looking for a new challenge. Do you mind? Like, can you just help me understand like what you do at HP and, and what kind of positions are available within HP? Um, so we met and and he told me what happens at, at the Albuquerque locations, what kind of positions are there? 
um, the inside account manager was a little bit interesting to me. It was salesy, but it was going to be a different kind of sales than Apple, right? Like Apple's more at like the individual level, like someone's coming in and they're kind of, they, they're in there. So they're already like thinking they're probably going to buy something. Whereas like with like, um, account management, especially like an inside account manager, right? It's like me reaching out to people, like maybe cold calling. It's me working with like resellers. So it's more relational, um, which again, that really spoke to me. If I can build these really good relationships, I think I could make some good money here. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, my friend, I spent like probably a month talking to him and then just asking him, like, can you introduce me to other, like, do you feel comfortable introducing me to other people that you work with so I can learn about what they do so I can see if like I would maybe be a good fit for HP and if HP might be a good fit for me. And after about like month, month and a half of kind of going back and forth on that, like I built rapport with these people. Um, and I basically went to my, my friend and said, I think I'd be interested in working here. Like, what do I need to do? Right. And I think that was an interesting thing. Cause I went to him and said, what do I need to do? Like, tell me what I need to do to like, like, is there a portal that I apply to? Like, what do I need to do? I didn't ask him actually to refer me. Um, never actually asked anyone to refer me. I, I, yeah, I just said like, how do I, how do I apply? And he was like, aren't you going to ask me for a referral? And I was like, well, I mean, if you feel comfortable doing that, that's great. But like, I, I'm also fine. I'm totally comfortable with applying on my own, right? And I think like having that confidence that like I'm going to bring value and your referral is nice, but I'm going to bring value with or without it um, was important. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I I went through like a couple weeks of of interviewing there, but also because I, I'd asked for him to introduce me to other people, I met basically some of the people that I would be eventually interviewing with. So they already knew me. And, and knew what I was about because I'd already been having those conversations with them. So it, it going into those like actual formal interviews didn't even feel like anything special because I'd already talked to them like the month before. Wow, that, that's good. And that really just shows how like building those relationships and just being authentic. And I, I always tell people like, sometimes you don't need to ask for the referral. Ask for what do you yeah. need to do and take those yeah. steps. And then people will want to refer you because why not? Yeah. Like Josh listens yeah. to me. He's yeah. willing to put in the work and he's willing to do all that. So how long were you at HP before you got to the current company? There's like a trend of like, I kind of stay somewhere for three years and then I go. Yeah. Uh, I think my current company's like, oh, he's been here two years. What's going to be happening yeah, yeah. this next year? Um, but yeah, I was at HP for for three years and I, I, I did account management and I knew that I wanted to get into sustainability. HP has a brilliant sustainability organization. Um located in like Vancouver, Washington, just on the border with Portland. And and actually uh, my th- Third day at HP, um, I attended just an internal talk where someone was talking about like HP's sustainability initiatives, um, a guy by the name of Ryan, um, who lived in Vancouver. I I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. And so I, I looked up Ryan in the directory. I, I messaged him and I was like, I didn't realize HP was doing all these really cool things. I'm new here. Like sustainability isn't part of the curriculum for like onboarding. I'd love to know more because this is something that I'm really passionate about. Like, I, I'd i love to know more about like what you do and like what all HP does because you only talked for an hour and I learned so much. So like, if you're willing to make the time, so am I, right, to like learn more about this. Ryan ended up becoming my mentor. We built like a really cool sustainability program together that got launched globally, which was really rad. Um, they they were hiring for the position. It, it, I ended up not being selected for that it was a little bit controversial. It's fine. Um, I I also knew that I was ready again for something else, and 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 it led me to to customer success. But even within that story, like 
something that I, I just always encourage people um, is the old saying, right, is it's not what you know, it's who you know. And there's a lot of truth to that. I think there's a balance. You need to know something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You need to know enough about something so that the people that you do know feel comfortable, like, inviting you into the thing that they're doing. With my relationship with Ryan, when I joined that HP, right, like I just played the newbie card. And so I, again, I just looked him up in the directory and I said like, hey, you're doing something that I'm really interested in that I don't know a lot about. Like, can you tell me more about it? And as I began having those like organic conversations that turned into like, hey, can we meet like every other week to talk and I can learn more about it? If you have a project, can you, would you feel comfortable sharing like that, like the notes with me, the documentation with me, and I can like see what you're working on and like learn about what you're doing and what like that process looks like. So he just started mentoring me. I mean, he saw what I was basically building towards and he was like, I want to mentor you. And so he just invited me into all this stuff and I got to help, you know, with like documentation and see what was going on and like learn their workflow. And it was awesome. I got to meet the team and it was very similar to like actually getting hired at HP, right? I just started learning what they did and asked like, is there a way that I can support you guys, right? And and that door swings both ways. You don't talk with clients. You don't talk with customers a whole lot. You're kind of very far removed from them. Would you like to come to talk to some of my customers that I have really good relationships with so that you can learn how important sustainability is for them and what they're focused on? So I made that a two-way street, right? I, I made an ask of Ryan, and then I also opened the door for him to come and talk to the people that I work with that he wouldn't normally have access to, right? Show me yours, I'll show you mine. Um, we built like a great relationship. Um, it led to, like I said, like multiple interviews in, in the sustainability organization. They didn't pan out. That's okay. He's still one of my really good friends. I love him dearly. Um, and then from HP, I was just ready again, just ready for something new. Um, also partially HP was like, um, I know you have strong opinions on this. So do I, they were going back to a, um, like fully in office kind of, thing. Um, and I, I didn't particularly like it. Um, I didn't, I didn't agree with it. Um, my stance is that like, let people work the way that they want to work. If you have offices and people want to come in and they, you know, want to split their time, let them be hybrid. If people want to be remote, let them be remote. If people want to come into the office full time, let them come into the office full time. I'm with that. Yep. And so unfortunately that wasn't an option. And the role that I, I had was tied to, uh, New Mexico, my uh, partner was, had gotten accepted into grad school uh, up at the University of Washington. So we had to move. I couldn't do my job in Washington. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I, my opinion, I could have done my job in Washington, um, but there wasn't the opportunity for me to do that. So it was just a very mutual parting of the ways. A door opened at Lumar um, via someone that I had been building relationships with. Uh, for the previous year, um, they got hired at Lumar. Um, that person, uh, their name's Ellie. Ellie and I had like weekly meetings. We kind of acted as like a um, support group for each other. Um, kind of like in 2021, uh, she was on the job hunt. I was working on leveling up at HP. We'd meet every week. We'd talk. We'd connect. Um, just spend time together, right? Like help with resumes, help with interviews, right? Like we would talk to other people in the industries that we'd be interested in. Um, when Ellie got hired at the company that I now work at Lumar, um, she just kind of kept bugging me and was like, you should come work here. I think you might like it. Um, um, eventually after about three months, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll see what this is about. And, and again, going back to like what we said at the very beginning of this, like, how did I get to where I am? Relationships, right? She felt 
she knew me well enough and knew my work ethic well enough and understood who I am as a person um, to refer me. It took like eight months of us getting to know each other. Again, I didn't even ask for the referral. She just knew I was looking and and she believed in me and believed in her company enough that and believed that we were a good fit um, to actually make that referral. Um, and And here I am. All relationships. Yeah. And you know, one thing I want to add, it's a lot of people say it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I give more clarity on that. I say it's who you know multiplied by what you know. So totally. if you don't, you need both. Yeah. You need both. Yeah. And it's a multiplying. Like both. if yep. you don't know anything, yeah. you, sh- you need to be the CEO's son or daughter, right? That's how you, if you totally. know nothing, that's how you get your job. Straight nepotism. Yeah. That's how it works. So yeah. the less you know, you need the nepotism <laughs> factor. But totally. the thing is, if you know a lot and you know the right person, it just makes it easy. Like, yeah, of course, Josh. Like, cool. Josh is skilled. Boom. You're making my job easy. So find yep. the right balance of both. I think too many people just think it's like who you know. But I know a lot of people. That does not mean I'm going to refer all of them because I, I have to look good. I can't give my friend right. a bad referral. It's it's. I, I could not agree more with that. I, th- I think there's two things that I would touch on with that too. It's, it's the first thing is just piggybacking right off what you said, which is that like, I have a lot of friends. I'm very yeah. social. And I've had like, especially when I worked at Apple, there's a lot of people that, that came to me that were very dear friends of mine that wanted referrals. And the reality is like having a relationship with them and working at Apple, I knew that they weren't going to be a good fit where they were. So I'm not going to refer you because it's not a good fit for yeah. either, right? And so trust me, as your friend, trust me that that I have your best interests at heart, okay? Like trust that like the reason I'm not giving you a referral is because I don't think you'd be a good fit here. And it doesn't mean that I don't think you'd be a good fit somewhere. It just means that you might not be a good fit for the thing that's open that I could refer you to right now. So let me help you get to something else where you would be a good fit. And you might not be a good fit for tons of reasons. Maybe the manager over that position or over that team is terrible. And I don't want you to have a bad experience in that position because this person's here. But I might not disclose that to you, right? Because I also have to protect the company that I work for. My badge says Apple, so I have to still kind of protect them to an extent, right? So like lean into trusting the people that you have relationship with. If they won't give you a referral, give them the benefit of the doubt. Assume positive intent. It might not be what you immediately think it is. We tend to go negative right away. And a lot of times it's not that. We tend to think that it's us or just like they're like gatekeeping me. And it might not be that. It might be something else. If you trust these people that you're going to ask for referrals, if they say no, trust, right? Trust what they're saying and ask that question of like, okay, um, can you help me understand what I need to be working on so that I might be a better fit for this? Or or what am I missing so that I could be a, a good referral, yeah. right? And like trust their feedback on that. Um, I That's one thing that I immediately want to press on. The other thing that I want to press in on is the story of Apple Retail is really fascinating, right? Because when they first started... Um, they required everybody at Apple Retail to have a degree. Yeah. And you really had to have a degree in like like computer science or yeah. something really techy. And what they found is that when they when they narrowed um that search scope and said they have to be people with like CS degrees or they have to be people with IT degrees, what they found is like their customers, Apple's customers were coming in and asking like really basic questions yeah. that were like how do I turn on my iPhone? Yeah. How do I unmute? Like, how do I save a file? How do I share? And it was just bugging these people who had like a lot of experience. 
they like very quickly were like, these people are still great, but they might be great and better suited in a more technical role yeah. within the company. But what what we really need in these like salesy type positions, right? And even like the operations positions, and even to an extent in the like repair type positions, the technical positions, what we really need, we need people who are like empathetic. We know people who are like kind. We need people who are willing to go out and like learn what they don't know. My favorite thing about like Apple was the chaos of a launch day. Everybody thinks that like when the new phone or the new computer comes out that like we have it in store weeks in advance to play with it. We do not. We would go into the store two hours before the phone would launch and that would be our first time using the new phone and using the new software. And in two hours, we had to become as, as much of an expert as we could on that thing. That's how that worked. You you weren't given the tools like months in advance to figure out what it does. You have to be able to learn on the fly and you have to be able to know what you don't know to go seek out that information, right? So one of my old district managers always used to say like, dude, I'm hiring for people who I see are empathetic, who are eager to learn and want to learn new things because that's so much of what this is. We're not always going to give you the stuff to learn because like confidentiality, we yeah. want to surprise the customers. We know that some of you have big mouths and we don't want it to spoil or to spoil what we're doing. So like we have to, we have to keep the lid on something. So you're going to have to learn on the fly, right? And we just want people who are like kind and motivated and self-starters. So to your point, like the, it's not who you know, it's what you know. There's a, there is such a balance to that. Know people, get to know people. Absolutely. And like, ask them like, where, what do you think I need to be working on? to be a better fit for your organization. What is something, what is a book, what is a resource, what is something that I can be doing to to level up in this position? What's something that you would have told yourself 10 years ago to get ready for this position that you're in now? I love that. Now I'm going to ask you something different. You know, why didn't you go to college? I I just did not like formal education that much. Um, I grew up at a, at, a, at a private school in New Mexico, like kindergarten all the way up till when I, I actually dropped out. I didn't even, that, like I have no degree. I just have a GED. Yeah. Um, so I'm like no double degree, I guess, or, or no even diploma. Yeah. If you have a no diploma podcast, uh, no high school diploma, yeah. that would be mine. Um, spinoff. Um, yeah, I, I went to school and um, I just didn't like it. I, I, I didn't like the formal learning process. It didn't, it didn't vibe with me. I, I kind of hated the whole, like do homework to prove that, that you learn something. Um, I, I joke about this, but it's entirely true. My entire time kindergarten all the way up, I never turned in a single piece of homework minus, minus one thing. Um, I turned in a report in fifth grade and it's because my fifth grade teacher found my, my, um, dad's cell phone number and called him to tell him that I, I wasn't doing the assignments. I was a, I was a little bit of a rebel and I was able to figure out at a young age how to block my teachers from calling my house. Um, so she found like the loophole, um, but I just didn't like it. I didn't, I did, I just didn't like it. Um, transparently, right. And I, I love you and I love this podcast and I, I love so many of the guests that you have on. So I, I feel very comfortable sharing this. My sophomore year of high school, my best friend killed himself oh, sorry to and it that. made it really hard for me to stay in school. He was a couple of years older than me. We, we had spent a lot of time together and being at this like small school was also particularly difficult for me because everywhere that I went, right. I was, yeah. I was, there was a lot of reminders of, of him not being here anymore. Um, 
And so it was kind of the combination of, I already didn't like school a whole lot and like the format of formal education. Um, and then, and then this other thing that was, was quite large, right. That was going on in my life. I was just ready to be done. Um, I decided to just drop out of school. I was very fortunate. I had parents who were remarkably supportive of, of my decision. Um, I said, I'm, I'm going to just, what would have been my senior year. I'm actually just going to work and I'm just going to go to college. I'm, I'm just going to get my GED and then I'm going to go to college. So I did that. I worked for a year and then I paid my way to Sydney, Australia, where I went to college. Um, and I did college for about eight months and found out like, oh, this is actually still the same as high school. And I hate it. I hate, I don't like it. Right. I don't want to do homework. Just give me the test. Give me the test and I'll show you that I, that I know the thing that I'm talking about. I don't have to like constantly prove to you, um, that I, that I understand the concept. I, I understand the concept. Um, so I, I, yeah, I moved back from Sydney. I said, I just, I don't want to do this. I think I'm going to enter the workforce. And I, I, I did, right. I went back to waiting tables at that point. Um, before I moved to Sydney, I was doing like the, the to-go side of things and working as a host. And then when I came back, I just, I went back and worked at that restaurant and, um, said, this is just, I, I have people here. I know this industry. Well, I, not that I necessarily want to like level up here, but like, this is just a good job while I figure out what I want to do. And then I did that for like another year or two. I decided like, let me try like community college. I, I, I did it. And then again, I just hated it. I did it for like a year and I was like, God, I just, this, this isn't for me. Um, and it was hard, right? Because the message when I was growing up is like, this is what you have to do. If you don't do this, you'll never get anything. And especially growing up in New Mexico, where like most of the jobs are government, like state, local, federal, um, or like, like nursing, like doctors, like healthcare. That's a lot of what the jobs are there. They all kind of require degrees. And so I was like, I'm not, I, I just, I don't know if I have a future in Albuquerque, first and foremost. Um, but I'm also just, I'm not interested in this whole like formal education thing. I'm smart and I can go learn things, but I don't, I don't want to like jump through these hoops to prove that I know the things that I, that I know. I, I should show you that I know them once and then we should be able to like move along. And, and that's how this should work. That was kind of my, my opinion on the matter. Um, I was also partially inspired by my mom. Um, she moved here when, um, she's, uh, Filipina. A uh, really powerful Filipino woman who moved here, graduated from high school early, never took a single college class in her life, started at uh, a call center at the largest, um, one of the largest employers in the state of uh, New Mexico at, at a healthcare organization called Presbyterian. And she went from the call center all the way to she is currently one of their senior vice presidents wow. um, overseeing like Medicare and Medicaid um, and no degree, like never went back to school, was pressured to go back to school, but like never did. Right. Because she she had amazing people who, again, to, like who knew her, who trusted her and she knew what she was talking about. Right. Like she she dove in and she got to know the industry and like became an expert on her shit. Um, and so watching, like growing up and having a mom who did that and just kicked so much ass, I just knew that like, dude, if my, if my mom can do it, then like, surely I can do it. And I, I know that I'm just going to have to work like at least 1% harder than people who did go to school. But like, I, I bet I'll bet on me every time I'll bet on me every time. Right. And I will go learn what I need to learn and I will go do what I need to do. And I'll take the feedback that I, that I need to be given. Right. And I'll, I'll implement and I'll iterate and I'll move and I, and I will work hard and I'll just, that's what I'll have to do. That's what it's going to take. So looking back, what are you most proud of? 
during during my time, like at at both Starbucks, Apple, and HP, I really this is going to tie back to something that I already kind of touched on. I got to help people get to where they wanted to go. Um, I got to work with people, right, who who maybe started at like an entry level position. I'll use Starbucks as an example, right? I worked with like a lot of baristas, obviously, right, when I was a supervisor and. I was their supervisor. And as I would get to know them, I'd, I'd have conversations of like, well, what do you want to do? Right? Like, do you want to be at Starbucks? Is this just, is this like a college thing? Like, no shame. Right? Like, tell me where, where do you want to go? Right? Because like, when you're with me, I don't know how long our time's going to be together. Right? So for however long we get to work together to, to get to like do life together, I want to make sure that like, I am, am helping you be in a better place than where you were when we first met. That's my goal right? With, with companies, wherever I start, by the time I leave, I want to make sure that the company's in a better position than it was when I got there. Right. Um, and I feel that way in my bones about people. And so I would, I would get to have these conversations of like, let's, let's figure out what you want to do. And, and then let's look at the tools that you have. Let's look at the resources that you have and let's get you there. Let's get you to believe that you're like smart, confident, capable, strong, independent, right? Um, there were six baristas that I worked with at Starbucks. Um, five of them became supervisors and then three of them became managers. One of them went to open their own coffee shop. And I got to like help with that, right? Like I got to be part of their journey. I got to be like a guide for that season as they got to where they are. And we still have great like great relationship. Right. But like they, they got to see what they're good at, lean into it and get there. When I, when I was at Apple, one of my favorite things, it wasn't technically a position, but I worked kind of like internally as a mentor. Um, the people that I worked with all got to the positions that they wanted to get to. They all transitioned to the positions in store that they wanted to get to. Right. I got to sit down with them and say like, what are you interested in? Let's look at what the skills, uh, that you need to get to these positions, let's look at the skills that you have and how can you use what you have to get what you don't quite have or what you need to improve so that you can transition, right? And and those friends like moved up in the company and became managers, right? And then some of them didn't even move up at Apple. They went to like their dream job and got to where they were. I got to be, again, a guide on their journey. I've gotten to help people transition into jobs at HP, even though I'm not even there anymore, I've helped people transition into my old team. And I've helped people transition out of my team into roles that that are most interesting to them. Um, I like when people are the heroes of their own stories, and I get to come in and be the guide, even if it's for a season. I That's what I'm proud of. I'm proud of like people getting to where they wanted to get to, and me, like, I got to help them, right? I wasn't necessarily, I might, maybe in some cases I was like, I played a larger role, maybe I played a smaller role, but the fact that I even got to be in their story and that they're out there crushing it, like, that's the thing. That's what's successful to me, right? Like, in my industry, it's all about, like, renewal and, like, don't let clients churn, and that's that's all good and well, right? And, like, companies can have their, their benchmarks and their metrics. Like, my metric, if, like, I'm doing a good job as a human being, is like, do people believe in themselves like 1% more after having a conversation with me? Are they 1% closer to where they want to be after talking with me and after like doing a little bit of life with me, right? Like that's the stuff that, that I care about. And if I do that, dude, mission accomplished. I love that. Now this is gonna be a little different. 
Now, you have a 14 to 17-year-old Josh in front of you, or you see him walking down the street. What do you tell him? I, I tell him it's okay that, like, he doesn't have everything figured out, right? And that, and that maybe, like, the idea of, like, you're going to figure it out one day isn't totally honest. Um, what you are going to figure out, right, is, like, the things that you're really passionate about and the things that you're really good at. And, and like, you're going to use those things to carve your path, right? I, I tried for so long to try to be a less good version of someone else. When really all I needed to do was be the best version of me. I love that. I love that. Now, at this stage in your career, you've done a lot. What are your future goals? I... Going back to my time at HP, I loved working in sustainability. I um, it's it's more than just um, you hear that word, and, and a lot of people just might might think like climate type stuff, and that's that's at least part of it, right? Like climate is a is a big part of sustainability and like building a more sustainable world. Um, but so is like digital equity. So is making sure that like people have access to like knowledge and technology. So are like diversity and inclusion policy, right? Like so, it, so are human rights. Like there's so many things that go under the umbrella of sustainability. Um, and I, I would love, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think the thing that I'm thinking through next is like, I, I want to get back into that, right? I, I said it earlier, right? Like I want to leave people and I want to leave places. In, in a better state than where I found them. I also want to do that for the world. I want to do that for the next generation. I want to do that at scale. I, I grew up in a pretty, pretty good world. I had a pretty good life, all things considered. Like, it's not to say that there wasn't like tragedy or trauma through it. Like there was, there was hardships, right? There were like really dark and horrible and awful days, right? But for the most part, I've had a pretty good life. So when it comes to like leaving the world in a better place than where I found it, the bar's really high for me because I had it pretty good. And so I want like the generations behind me, right? Um, like if you're listening and you have kids, right? Like I want, I want your kids to have a great world to yeah. grow up in. I want their kids to have a great world to grow up in. I want to be a part of that. And so I, I know for sure that like I want to get back into something around sustainability. I I don't know what, um, but that's true to who I am, right? Again, I don't really know the titles that I'm going for. What I do know is what I'm actually good at, and I'm going to lean into that. And so as, as I'm thinking about like what my next steps are, I'm thinking about like, what are my skills, right? Like being personable, connecting people. I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at taking like complex ideas and making them more digestible. I'm really good at helping people believe in themselves how can I take those things to make the world like more sustainable? How can I help with like climate initiatives? How can I help with like DEI initiatives? How can I help with human rights initiatives, digital equity? Um, that's, that's the space that I'm going to go into next. Nah, that's and I'm you know what? With. You've always been in that space, you know, just by uplifting others and giving them the path. Yeah. So I really want to thank you for your time and just really sharing all this. This is really cool. I'm glad I got to actually meet you in person and witness it. And looking so forward cool. Just to, move to Seattle. You know what? One day, here. I want to get rich enough so I have a second <laughs> home in Seattle. Seattle is such a nice place. I, it's I, a great spot. It's a great spot. So if for those of you listening, if you need visit, go visit Seattle. It's a very nice place. Go visit Seattle. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time. And yeah. looking forward to doing a part two when you're doing much bigger and better things. 
another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.